sometimes feel that there's nobody to talk to about the things you need to talk about? Well, look no further. Welcome to Paper Hope Next Generation on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Rio, Tamara, and Yvonne are here to discuss the topics you've been asking about. Now, here's Paper Hope Next Generation. Welcome to the program, Paper Hope Next Generation. I'm your show host, Tamara Wade, and I'm here today with my daughter, Rio Wade. Hello. And a very special guest, Carolyn Jones. Hello. Hi. And we're going to be talking about something that's very serious today. We're talking about human trafficking, and I'm going to give you some information that maybe you don't know about it, because I think it's pretty scintillating in the media right now, and I think it's kind of over, I don't know what the right word is, but glamorized or like it's kind of a buzzword right now and it's really not glamorous it's really not cool it's a really horrible subject well and nobody really knows the facts about no it. they hear the words but they don't actually know what it means no and carolyn jones we are honored to have you here today she is a survivor of trafficking so thank you for being here and willing to sh- share your story I'm so honored to be a part of this, so yeah. thank you for having me. Thank you. So I want to give you some some information about what human trafficking is, in case you don't know, because it, I think it gets confused in the media. Um, hang on. You had it pulled up. I had it pulled up, but I'm trying to remember my password. <laughs> don't, yeah, we're not good at computers. No, we're not always professional either, but we're <laughs> going to try. <laughs> so I'm reading... F- I'm going to read directly from you, and we're going to have dialogue um, amongst us. The 11 facts about human trafficking. This is from the dosomething.org blog page, and I've posted it on our Paper Hope um, Facebook page as well, so you can see it. I know that you can't see it live, but you can see it um, as you're reading um, or as you're listening to the show. So one of the first points that this article brings out is that globally, the average cost of a slave is $90 wasn't aware of this. Um, trafficking pri- primarily involves the exploitation, which comes in many forms, including forcing a victim into prostitution, subjecting a victim into slavery or involuntary servitude, and compelling the victims to, comp- to commit sex acts for the purpose of creating pornography. Number three, according to some of the estimates, approximately 80% of trafficking involves sexual exploitation and 19% involves labor exploitation. There are approximately 20 to 30 million slaves currently in the world today. Think about that for a minute. That's a big number. 30 million people. And, and this is just what we know of, right. what is unknown, right? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Okay, number five. According to the U.S. Department, 60,000 to 80,000 people are trafficked across international borders every year, of which 80% are female and half are children. Gulp. The average age of a uh, excuse me. The average age a teen enters the sex traffic trade in the U.S. is twelve to fourteen years old. Many victims. Ooh, that's so. It's gonna be a tough one, huh? (laughs) She always does this. We talk about these topics all the time. Um, But we, my sister is nine, and I'm sure that's probably (laughs) why. Well, audience members, you guys know that my background involves um, incest, so I'm a survivor too. So when I read these stats, they really hurt me. Um, I'll try and compose myself. 
Let's see. Many victims are runaway girls who um, were sexually abused as children. We're going to talk about that in a minute with Carolyn because it's just amazing um, how true that statement is. California harbors three of the FBI's 13 highest child trafficking areas in the nation, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and San Diego. The National Human Trafficking Hotline receives more calls from Texas than any other state in the U.S. 15% of those calls are from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Between 14,000 to 17,000 people are trafficked into the United States each year. Human trafficking is the third largest international crime industry behind illegal drugs and arms trafficking. It, it reportedly generates a profit of $32 billion every year. Of the number, $15.5 billion is made in industrialized countries. Think about that for a minute. This is not a subject that is, you know, out in some rural part of the world. This is happening in our industrialized cities like Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, okay, and the last one here. The International Labor Organization estimates that women and girls represent the largest share of forced labor victims with 1.4 million traffic victims, 55% compared to the 95 percent or the 45 percent excuse me i said that wrong 9.5 million or the 45 percent that are men mm. that's heavy yeah, yeah. Stats. sorry i lost it a little bit there um any comments you guys before we talk directly about streetlight i just i don't know why i haven't heard of this before <laughs> you know whether in school or mm-hmm. just mentors that i've had i don't know why this is just now being put on my radar mm-hmm. you know just because now i'm being affected you know by instances in my own community mm-hmm. so curious as to why this is so hush hush you know i hear about drug trafficking mm-hmm. um arms i hear about trafficking. arms trafficking but why don't i hear about human trafficking why is nobody talking about it especially if the numbers are so high one of the things that i that's that's hard for me is I've always known about it. It just didn't have a name. Mm. It was normal in my neighborhood. Wow. That was normal, but we didn't have a name for it. We either called it like, um, this just what we done to survive. Right. Mm. And so when I hear um, a lot of, because, you know, we're, and I've had the awesome opportunity to be a part of bringing awareness yes. to this issue. And it always kind of, um, makes me think okay like why haven't how come people didn't know this was going on i know i know it's so common it's so big and why isn't this something on the forefront of everybody's mind to be looking out for it to be trying to bring girls home to rehabilitate them because it was the biggest secret Mm -hmm. it was the big secret and a lot of times people thought that it just happened over in this type of neighborhood Exactly. And so that's where it went on at, so it was no concern. Wow, that's a very But a lot important. of people didn't understand that in some of their neighborhoods mm. where there will be a young girl there, have a mom and dad, and everything looks fine. She's going to school. She got this nice room. She got all these nice things. So no way would our daughter or no way could that girl be mm-hmm. getting trafficked. But right down the street yes. in some of these nice neighborhoods, <laughs> 
you might have a young girl over there that don't really feel good about herself. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to be manipulated by a predator into being trafficked. Isn't that the truth? And I don't, you know, I talk to moms all the time because it is in my purview. And they're like, I don't need to talk to my daughter. She's 12. What do I have to talk to her about sex and about, and I'm like, it's not about sex. It's about power and control and abduction. These things can happen at any age. You to need anybody. To, to anybody. You need to be talking to your kids right away about predatory behavior. Exactly. Yeah. And if the predator is looking at our children at 12 years old, we better train them at 12 years old to be aware that this is happening. Yes. And it have happened to other girls. And that is it's not just happening in third world countries. It's happening right here in our backyard on our watch. And it's such a heavy topic to people don't want to talk about it and they don't want to hear about it because it is a dark topic. Isn't it true? I think that's a a really important point that it really, it's hurtful. I mean, I broke into tears talking about it. Like Mm -hmm. it's really hard to talk about or to even think about, Mm -hmm. to fathom. But what you said is absolutely important. It's happening right here in our neighborhoods, every neighborhood. Literally in our neighborhood. Yeah, (laughs) Rio and I, um, there are a couple girls in our in Rio's peer group one of whom um, was recovered and brought home from trafficking the other one that is suspicious that it could be trafficking Mm -hmm. so it's bringing an awareness to her peer group right now Mm -hmm. about the dangers so um, I am going to divert a little bit from what we had planned about let's talk a little bit about grooming yeah so because I didn't know that that was a part of the process I just literally in my head I had a picture that the girls just get stuffed in the car and that's it. Well, so like a hardcore abduction. Yeah, like an abduction. You know, we, we you say sex trafficking and I think that. I think they get taken nope. and forced into a car nope. and they're gone forever. I didn't nope. think like it could be grooming, mm-hmm. like you said, um, either for many years with your family or just someone you meet, you know, at dinner or whatever. I I had no idea. Yes. So something that Carolyn and I talked about offline before we came on air is that a lot of girls that go into trafficking have histories of abuse mm. prior to it happening. And I can speak to that simply, not that I've ever been trafficked, but I have been approached. Mm. So I must have had like a neon sign over my head that said, hey, here's a wounded, vulnerable girl. Why don't you go exactly. talk to her? And hard as it is to admit, there is a way that victims behave if before you're in your survival role there is a way that victims behave so me having active in the process of being um maybe that's the wrong way to say it uh, i was still being perpetrated at the time i was approached so I was not a survivor i was very much a victim still there was a man and more than just one but this one in particular sticks in my head i worked in a retail establishment and i saw him all the time so he was in part of the fabric of my life it wasn't like he was a stranger that just came out of the dark because i think people think oh this is someone like rio said that grabs you and stuffs you in a car no this guy was in line at the lunch counter you know he was in my store shopping so when he approached me and said hey can i sit down with you and share your lunch sure why not yes so then he proceeded to say to me hey you know what i'm here all the time and i see how hard you're working you know you don't have to work that hard you you um I have a Mercedes that you could drive. Do you like Mercedes? And I'm thinking in my head, where is this going? Mm. And he said, you know what? I even have this empty apartment that nobody's living in. And you know what? I could just give you the keys right now. You could go there right now. And you don't have to work anymore because there's food there. And, you know, and I'm thinking, that's awesome. 
And then the other part, like the, the, the little grain of, of hope in my brain said, you know what, Tam, nothing's for free. There's a big problem with what this guy is saying to you. So I thanked him and got up and left and went back to work. He, he continued to talk to me over the time that I was working there, but I was never interested in having that conversation again. He was waiting on you to have a vulnerable moment. Mm -hmm. That's part of the grooming. Waiting to find a vulnerable young woman Mm -hmm. or young man that's having a rough time. Mm -hmm. And that's the one they prey on. They'll look at and they'll find someone that's very quiet, very Mm -hmm. easily manipulated, someone that doesn't feel pretty enough, don't feel like she's smart enough, don't feel like she fits in. Mm -hmm. And then here comes this... Most of the time, some nice-looking guy. Put together. He was a put-together man. You know, and they'll come to get come to you. And so say that there's a girl that really wants to fit in and be looked at like the other girls at her school. Mm-hmm. She maybe don't have yes. nice things, a cell phone or a nice purse or something. And you have this person coming to you, and he's promising you all these things, and he's able to provide these mm-hmm. things. And so part of the grooming process He'll give her these little gifts, a cell phone. And, of course, you're going to give her a cell phone. That, and this cell phone is so I can, you can always call me if you need me. <laughs> wow. I want you to always be able to get co- connected to me. Mm-hmm. So, really, that's just so he can have tabs on mm-hmm. her. Yes. And so, at this time, he's learning and he's so interested. Well, nobody's at her school's interested. Nobody's at home interested. Right. And so, she's feeling like, oh, wow, someone really care about me. Yes. And so, he's taking her to these nice little dinners and stuff. Yes. And, and that's a part of the grooming. And then he's um, buying her these little purses. And so, now she's feeling all big girl. She mm-hmm. feels like she's feeling all proud. She's feeling like somebody cares about her. And over and as he's doing this, he's learning where mom works. Oh my gosh! He's learning so where the schools, what schools she go to. He's learning everything. Where's her grandmother live? Oh my gosh! He's learning everything about this child. Okay. Oh, and so when so then now he'll tell her, okay, and this may go on a month or a couple months. Yeah. It depends on the child. Some of them is very easy. You know, he'll come to her. You know what? Um. I've been spending a lot of money lately. We've been having all these, and you know, if I have to buy you all these clothes, I've um have to, you know, spend money on all this food and stuff. Now things, I'm Start having some change. problems. Mm. Can you help me? Oh my gosh! Mm. And then it changes. That's when yep. it changes. It changes, and I, you know what, you guys, let's pick this up on the other side of the break because I think the grooming aspect of it is something that's really, really important it's for girls to realize. I think it's critical. Yeah. Okay, so let's take a quick break. Welcome back to the program, Play for Hope Next Generation on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Um, I'm your show host, Tamara Wade, and I'm sitting here with my other show host, my daughter, Ipu Rio Wade. We have a very special guest today, um, Carolyn Jones. Thank you for joining us today. Hello. Thank you. And if you hadn't heard the um, segment prior, I encourage you to... Rewind. Rewind and listen to it because Carolyn is speaking to us today from her past experiences of being trafficked. And we are also talking about um, abuse and how how sometimes this ends up happening, how um, people who are in victim roles end up being trafficked. And in the last segment we were talking about, I was sharing a story how 
I often was talked to by men who wanted to put me in an apartment, give me nice things, and Carolyn was sharing that that indeed is part of the grooming process because a victim is picked because she's vulnerable. She is inside herself, and, and it's for some reason these predators can sense it, and so they go after these victims. So you know, there was a point in break that you wanted to bring up. Was it about how the victims are picked? Yeah, first of all, I was unaware of this whole grooming thing, like I said previously, and I just thought it was this act of stuffing someone in a car and driving off with them. But listening to you guys talk about it and wondering why I haven't experienced anything like that (laughs) in my life, um, because, well, maybe I have. You know, maybe I have had guys want to approach me, but the way I carry myself or the way that I like show them I have my key jabber in my hand, you know, like I'm very hyper aware, not in like a scary, I'm afraid of everything way, but you know, I just, I'm not going to take any shit from anyone. Like don't approach me if you're not allowed to kind of deal. So I, you, when you're talking, it reminds me of an instance you were at a fast food restaurant with your friends just after high school. And there was a man looking at inappropriate photos on his phone oh gosh and he was showing you in summer yeah and your reaction to that was i'm gonna slap you yeah, you know stop it like, like yeah i don't have to apologize for being mean exactly to you. like you're doing something very inappropriate and you need to leave or i'm gonna cause a scene exactly so you know? someone who isn't secure in themselves someone like little me back then would have sat there quietly in my head thinking oh my god oh my god why is this guy doing this and he would have known that Mm-hmm. So it would have that's been the one. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the, the one. one that he would have preyed on. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that would have sit there and out of trying to be nice to this predator, <laughs> oh my God. would have sit there <laughs> and looked at those photos. <sighs> and that's how he he um he that's identifies. How he can groom it because now he know that he that's one of the first signs of he have power and she can be controlled. Yep. That's but so important. But a girl important. like you that says, you know what, I'm not going to sit here and watch this. This oh, is yeah. disrespectful. Mm-hmm. I take offense to it. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. That girl is out of there. Yeah. Yep. But you take a girl that, you know, this guy is just, you know, I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not knowing that that's inappropriate. And that's so, right. so what girls have those characteristics? And that's what I was trying to get at is the girls that act like that are the ones that have already had exposure to abuse. Largely, yes. Um, any kind, you know, mental, emotional, physical, physical. sexual, any kind of abuse. They have that. Okay, well, I don't have power over anything. Exactly. So anyone who approaches me, I obviously owe them something because mm-hmm. they're going to they're going to take it you know whether I'm you know willing or not might as well just path of least resistance I'm going to give them what they want kind of deal that is a very good point that you make Rio because girls that are still living in their victim self are um, vulnerable to being preyed upon not only by people that are looking to traffic but by other abusers Mm -hmm. exactly Mm -hmm. and I couldn't understand how I've been molested in rape a few times Mm -hmm. to the point where I started feeling like it's something that I'm doing. Mm, Absolutely. You know, by in different situations. And to the point where I became like, I I would change my dress. I would change the way I dress. I would change the way I I walk, talk. I was trying to change. What is making these people (laughs) abuse me? It's because they seen that vulnerability. Even though I was 
kind of rough around the edges, rough on the out. Yeah. But on the inside, yeah. I was really this vulnerable, mm. weak, gullible mm-hmm. young girl. Yes. And so wow. that's the that's how I got preyed on. Yeah. Is because when I'm alone and you ask me and get me in a corner, I melt. Yeah. I take the big girl mask oh, off. Oh, yeah. And then the little girl mask. Yes. Oh. That's what predators do. They chip at that little girl mask mm-hmm. until they find that weak spot and mm-hmm. then say, I got you. It's so true. Carolyn, what you're saying, it's so interesting to me that survivors like myself, we have the same language. Like yeah. Rio's over here just pointing at yeah, me because, because I it, speak it's like similarly. It's exact conversation that mom has had with me before about how she would try to change how she looked. Yep. She tried to make herself look like a boy at yep. one point. I dress like, like, a, I dress I like a boy. I shaved my see. head. But and yes. then they keep doing it to you, so you're like, all right, it's obviously something about it me. It's so my fault hurtful. because no matter what I look like, it, it still, still happens. happens. And yes. so, and you don't feel like you're doing anything wrong because, like you're saying, you're vulnerable, you're weak. You just want so, like people to like you and to just like people. And it's just this bad combination of it's so bad. And like you said too, this is important. Is I've known a lot of girls that you know they're tough, they're rough around the edges, they don't take shit from no one, la la la. But it's like that's the biggest telltale sign that you're vulnerable on the inside you know I didn't think of it that way but I think you've hit on something that's kind of important and I think that's what I've been I haven't been able to articulate it that way Mm -hmm. but anytime someone comes to me like that and they don't know me yet and they just come at me and they're tough and they're mean I'm like Something's wrong with you. you Something's know, like, vulnerable in you. Wrong, you <laughs> yeah, know? hiding behind <laughs> exactly. the tough girl mask. Mm-hmm. I put the tough girl, the tough girl mask, because where I come from, you had to be yes. tough. Right. You wasn't allowed to cry. You wasn't allowed to um, be even a victim. I'm not a victim. Absolutely. That's, uh, right. well, I relate victim at that time mm-hmm. to weak. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so wasn't allowed so to true. cry. So where I come mm-hmm. from, you're not allowed to cry. You're not allowed to be a victim. And so when you say the word victim, I look at that as a form of I'm weak. And then the tough girl mask, come on, I'm not no victim. I'm not weak, right. You know, I'm not weak. But at the same time, I'm this scared little girl on the inside. Mm -hmm. And I got this mask, and I wear Mm -hmm. different masks. And I'm still, as an adult, trying to peel away some of the masks that came from uh, a molested little girl. Absolutely. Carolyn, I have the same problem today every day Mm. the little girl fights i call her the one that steers the car you know there's a little girl in there most of the time the adult has a hold of the wheel but something could trigger me and the adult lets go of the wheel and the little girl grabs the steering wheel and oh lord buckle up and hang on (laughs) i feel like another important conversation whether now or later is um family members or friends of people Mm -hmm. that are survivors of this needing to recognize when that happens and step in with the help and the right kind of help because there's definitely a specific way to approach these kinds of situations in people. Um, My best friend, obviously my mom, I've been around it my whole life. And I think I do a pretty good job, do a very good job. <laughs> interacting with it. You do. Um, but nobody talks about it. So there's, let, we haven't brought up the issue, let alone how to help it as a friend. So, so. a couple of things I want to talk about. First of all, before we get too far away from grooming. So mm-hmm. remember the point that you just talked about. Can yeah. we talk about just for a moment what girls can do when they feel like they're being groomed, whether mm-hmm. they have a strong sense of self or not. What are tactics that girls, when they're like, like you, when you were at the restaurant and you were like, oh my gosh, that guy's showing me inappropriate things. Mm-hmm. To me, as a little girl being approached by a, a man, what are some things that girls can do to not 
become a victim of grooming and then potentially a victim of trafficking. Hmm. So for instance, walking away when something seems too good to be true, like in my story, um, there was a little voice inside me that was just nagging. It was a very quiet voice. The other voice that was like, oh my God, that sounds so amazing, was the loudest voice. But the little voice in the bottom was like, hey, damn, I don't think that's going to work out. (laughs) I listened to that little voice, even though I really wanted it to be true. I I wanted what he was saying to be true. Um, it's hard because I feel like it's it's an internal thing that you have to work at. So I know. like the reason that I say no to these people is because I've already accepted that I don't care if I'm mean to somebody. I love know? that point. So yes. and that's hard to do just uh-huh. as a regular person, let alone somebody who's been a victim of abuse prior. You know, it how. Am I allowed to be rude to this, you know, grown man? He's yes. my superior. The answer is yes. So you have to give yourself permission yes. to be a bitch, you know? Like That's you right. have to just... Yes. And you're not even being a bitch, you know? Like people are like, oh, be mean. It's not mean. You're it's protecting normal, yourself. You know? <laughs> There's right. nothing wrong about causing a scene if you're not comfortable Absolutely. with Absolutely. That's something that girls need to become more comfortable with. Yeah. And having healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and knowing that it, if my boundaries are crossed, mm-hmm. it's okay for me to say, you're crossing my boundaries. Or even knowing that my boundaries are being crossed and getting away from it. I love that I so much. I do not have to allow or sit mm-hmm. and listen to a conversation mm-hmm. that's disrespectful um, or scary, or, or, yes, or gross, yes, or inappropriate. Even if you don't feel like it. You don't have to do anything, and I right. think that's the point that a lot of people miss. You don't owe as a young woman anything to anybody. And right. when someone sits down and starts talking to you, even if it's an innocent conversation, even if you don't feel like it, you're not. You don't have to. You're sit not obligated. There, you know. Right. So, At all. Yeah, so, and sometimes the grooming is they'll have they'll be you'll just be in the in in um in the circle around mm-hmm. and some two guys could be sitting there having a conversation mm-hmm. if you don't remove yourself away from that conversation they're sitting there might be both of them is grooming and watching what are you going to allow to be said absolutely around you? Mm-hmm. absolutely and so you're hearing it and you might be even on the bus say you're on a bus mm-hmm. if something in you um after these guys have this conversation about what they want to do with girls and talking like, yeah. uh, you know, I had this bitch last night, a da 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 And they're having this conversation. And then after you've heard this conversation, <laughs> if you allow them to get in your space, mm. you now have accepted yes. everything that these type of people say. So true. Yeah. You have Powerful. now given them permission to talk like that around you and to you. Mm-hmm. It's very bad. Yep. That is so important. Wow. So in summary, um, girls that are listening that maybe are still in their victim role, maybe in a dangerous situation, um, I want you guys to, to listen to what we've just said. You, you may not be able to stop right now, but you can start practicing. Mm-hmm. Ways you can start practicing is, I call it a recovery per, uh, relapse prevention plan. Start writing, or mentally, if you're not in a safe place to write something down, start mentally listing down. Welcome back to the program, Paper Hope, Next Generation on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. I'm your show host, Tamara Wade, and I'm here with my other show host, Real Wade. Hello. And we have a very special guest today, Carolyn Jones. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for allowing me. 
<laughs> I'm telling you, we are all at break just kind of like, at least I am very breathless from this conversation. <laughs> Amazing conversation. And before we run out of time, I want to make sure that folks know that Carolyn is uh, a member of the Speaker Bureau at Streetlight USA. And I want to give you some of their history because I think they're an amazing organization. Um, they're here in our backyard in Phoenix, and they're doing some incredible work. But in case you don't know who they are, I really want you to get to know who they are and what they do for the young girls in our area and across the United States. So just a little bit of, of history. In, in 2007, Streetlight got the idea that they should be doing some case studies f- to solve this problem that was systemic. And instead of looking at it from one viewpoint, they got involved with um, many different entities within our community, such as law enforcement agencies, the state and U.S. general attorneys, medical people, um, social services, mayor offices, nonprofits that were like-minded, Homeland Security and FBI, I want to point out. I mean, this is big. You know, FBI, Homeland Security, this is a really big problem, in case you haven't already guessed. Students um, with university and leaders in universities, the business sector is involved, and countless, countless volunteers to help eradicate sex trafficking. Now, Streetlight has a three-pronged approach, which I want to share with you because I think it's really important, and their mission I think is super important. Um, Streetlight's mission, as it reads on their website and and as they're charging the world, our mission is to transition adolescent girls from trauma to triumph. Streetlight implements its mission through a three-tier strategy, awareness, prevention, and direct care. And these words are somewhat intuitive, but I want to let you know awareness, such as what we're doing here today with Carolyn, talking about sex trafficking, how grooming happens, and and other various facets of trafficking, because it's a really wide and vast topic. I don't think we're going to cover everything today, which brings me to another point and I'm segueing um, we will be having a series on trafficking because I think it's that important uh, this is just the beginning of it prevention streetlight is also charged with preventing it as we said they're involved with many sectors across the um, communities including law enforcement and FBI to work on prevention and then one of I think the most not most important but like really dear to my heart is the direct care um, for those who have been trafficked and who are healing from it so Adolescent girls, as we stated in one of the other segments, girls at Streetlight are average age from 11 to 17 who have been rescued from trafficking. And I want that to just sink in for a minute because I don't think that people think about it in their daily lives. There are children that are being rescued every day from trafficking situations and they need rehabilitation. What does that entail? So, Carolyn, can you tell us from your experience with Streetlight, what goes on with rehabilitation when a girl comes to Streetlight? The challenge is to, you know, um, so we have girls that at Streetlight that are at risk for being trafficked and that have been trafficked. And a lot of the stuff that we've talked about earlier is why we have girls that are at risk because they have been sexually, mentally, emotionally, and physically abused in some way. Mm -hmm. And so it's very hard because when the girls get there, they don't see themselves as victim because at that time they put on this big girl mask and they put on this hard outer appearance to protect the 
hurt, vulnerable, scared, lonely, shameful, painful little girl inside. Mm -hmm. So they will often come in with these masks on Mm -hmm. or they'll come in so broken down and so fearful. And so they've crawled inside of their self from the abuse. And these girls will come in there and they will be like these scared little girls. Because they're living and modeling what they experience. So a lot of times people don't know what they're looking at. Right. And why this girl is like that. And why is this one may come in real withdrawn and real vulnerable and real, okay, everything is just, I'm just going to go alone to get along and and, and just really vulnerable. Right. Where you have this other one that will come out and I want to beat up every girl in here. Don't nobody get in my space. Don't mess with me. They're the same girls but a lot of times we'll tend because we have this little weak vulnerable little girl people want to just come and pet and love but this other hardcore girl everybody's like she's a problem she's bad oh my gosh because nobody stay and pay attention long enough to know that that's just a mask i'm so glad she's hiding behind Mm -hmm. that other girl my gosh what you've said is so important i want to pause there for a minute because i know rio and i are both shaking our head (laughs) sometimes the girl that is more prickly tough around the edges people want to dismiss and say she's just a problem Right, but she's not. That's the girl that I had become. Yes. I had become. So when we get these girls at Streetlight, mm-hmm. it's really, really hard, you know, and so that's why it's so important that we have therapists and counselors and yes. women like survivors like myself because I was in this life at the age of 15. Yes, can you tell us, I know that we're segueing, Carolyn, can you tell us a little bit about your personal story with trafficking because I, I want our audience to know a little bit about your background and, and why this is so important to you and why you help. And it's, it's because I am those girls. Yeah. I am them little girls at Streetlight. When they, when they first, so when I, I've been both of them. Yes. And there's times when even as an adult, I will become yes. that vulnerable, scared little girl and just, but I cover it up with this hardcore girl yeah. on the outside. Yep. And so sometimes, so I put masks on. Yes. And, I, and that's come, that come from being trafficked. I put these masks on. And whenever I, I'm in a position or a place where I need to be tough, I'll get tough. Right. Anytime I need to be vulnerable, just to go alone and get along, I know how to put the different masks on. Yes. And that's coming from, you know, just basically yep. being molested mm-hmm. at the age of 13 because I wanted to fit in. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be cool. I wanted to be liked. I wanted to be one of the cool girls mm-hmm. because my mom, we worked so hard because we had this, we come from this uh this bad neighborhood. So right. my mom, she's a hard worker. She didn't want daughters to be drug addicts, to be prostitutes, to be trafficked. She did everything she can. My mom mm-hmm. was considered strict, and I thought mm-hmm. my mom was such a strict mom. <laughs> but I didn't understand that was her way of protecting me. Right, right. And I, you know, and I was so f- free going and free willed girl. Yeah. Till I was running from myself, so I started. So my mom worked hard, and she moved us out of this bad neighborhood, and we moved to this good neighborhood. But the challenge was is the people in the old neighborhood say, Carolyn, y'all think y'all too good. Mm-hmm. And the people in a new neighborhood didn't accept us. 
Oh, man. And I didn't feel accepted. Right. And so now, and then so I came from two homes, my mom and dad. Yep. Great parents, separated. <laughs> so I would be one little girl in my mom's house, one little girl in my father's house, one little girl in this neighborhood, one little girl wow. in this other neighborhood. So I'm living in two neighborhoods. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So when I, and so now I'm trying to find where I fit in. Yep. And of course, all girls want to be cool. They want to be liked. Right. They want to be popular. So you'll do things yep. that will make you cool. But in the end, it's always ending destruction or self-hatred or self-shaming. And so I remember just hanging out with these, um, with these group of kids that did school. Mm-hmm. And in hanging out with them, I became cool. I learned how to drink alcohol. And now um, I, I, I wanted the cool kids. Right. That wanted the negative cool kids. <laughs> yeah. So what happened is I outgrew them. And so now I got to hang out with the older cool kids. And oh, now no. I'm really cool. Right. I know how to drink. I know how to cuss. I'm hanging out with the bad kids. So I'm feeling super cool. But in the challenge of hanging out with the older kids, I was with these older boys. And we're riding around. We're drinking, smoking marijuana. And I'm really feeling I got my big girl mask mm-hmm. on that night. And it was this one place where my family would go where we have all everything beautiful. Mm-hmm. It happened at South Mountain Park. Oh. All of our family picnics, you know, um, family reunions, birthday. That's when my mom and my dad and both of my families would come together. The people in the old neighborhood, the new neighborhood. We would all go to this mountain and celebrate everything beautiful. All of my cousins and family members. Oh, I never, ever, ever wanted to leave that mountain because it was so fun. It was so great. But one day, and hanging out in these cool kids... That became like this big, nasty, ugly, dirty mountain. Oh, no, yeah. And going up there, I went to the mountain with these couple guys and me and another girl, and I'm with the older kids, and so I'm cool. Mm-hmm. And one of them began to touch me. Oh, no, right. I put the, I had to, at that time, still had the big girl mask on because I want to be cool. Right, so you're letting it, not letting so, it happen, but yeah. But it was... I'm I'm trying to be cool, but at the same time, then all of a sudden, the scared little girl come out and say, I'm not comfortable with this. Wow. And now, the anger come in of this guy. Oh, no. Oh, now you're going to disrespect me. You knew why we was coming to this mountain. And now you're going to sit here and play me? You're going to take advantage of me? You're going to use me? Manipulating, yeah. The manipulation. Jeez. And in the voice, he's pumping fear and grooming me to do what, what he you- wants me to do. And so now... I'm molested. I don't know what to do with these emotions. I don't know what to do with these feelings. I'm shame. I'm dirty. So, and a lot of times, by people not knowing how to deal with these issues, you do nothing. Exactly. And so, when you go tell teachers, you tell parents back then, you know, nobody does anything because they tell you pretty much, you're going to have to tough that up. Oh, my gosh. It's so true. You're going to have to strength. You're going to have to just live with and deal with that. Yeah. Because now... What that is do is going to bring shame to the girl, bring shame to the family. So everybody sweep this stuff under the rug. Yeah. And the reason why I've a uh, voice for the girls at Streetlight, because I don't want them sweeping nothing under the rug. That's I don't right. want them to have to live through the hurt, the shame, or pain like they're dirty, like they're Absolutely. nasty, or they're not worthy because of some predator to have disrespect them. That's why I do this work. Mm. It is not even about me. I know, right? It's not about me. It's about, it's about 42 years young girls 
that don't have a voice or people see their voice because they're so angry to they just like oh no let's give up on her yeah. or they see this broken little quiet little girl that's inside and withdrawn right i'm their voice i love it that's why i'm so honored that you allowed me mm. to come here today and yeah. i want to let mm. any girl out there that's going through that nobody have the right mm. to disrespect you Across your boundaries, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, or sexually, Mm -mm. violate you. There is help. There is help. There is a place, you know. And that's what we're doing. We are at Streetlight Changing from from tragedy mm-hmm. to triumph yes and that's our job and that's the only thing in my world i want and i just remember that molestation at 13 years old became i became a whole different girl i'm so glad to hear that that there and i think it's important to point out how powerful your story is because it seems so like it could happen to anyone mm-hmm. and it really can i mean like i can't tell you how many times in my life i've been in similar situations and having been a victim ended up with a boy crossing the line further than what i wanted him to do because as you said i want to be cool i want people to like me i want to fit in i just want to feel loved because my god nobody loves me that's right you know i've been a victim you know if this person and then they get all weird like you said like well you knew why i brought you here you i mean what you've said is so the same and I think for a lot of girls it's the same exactly it's um wow oh Rio's giving you the break which is I'm welcome welcome break um we'll be right back to talk more with Carolyn about her experience in the streetlight and what can be done to help those who are in those situations thank you so much for listening you're listening to Paper Hope Next Generation Welcome back to the program Paper Hope Next Generation on the Voice America Empowerment Channel I'm your show is Tamara Wade I'm here with my daughter, Ipu Rio Wade, and our very special guest, Carolyn Jones. Hello. Thank you. Our last segment was very intense. Yeah. I hope everyone got a drink of water. Yeah. (laughs) Took a deep breath. Um, Carolyn, I just want to say thank you for sharing your story. I think it echoes um, loudly and and resonates. It resonates with me profoundly. And I think that our listeners, I know that there are people listening that that absolutely identify with what you said. Yes. Um, audience members, rewind, listen to that segment again. If you recognize yourself in Carolyn's story, I have some phone numbers for you. Um, and I'm not just globally giving them out. Mm-hmm. I, I want to caveat when I give them out that it, it is absolutely incredibly difficult to take that first step. It to is. get help it's it's I don't even have words for it I can just tell you from my own struggle um, trying to get the right people around me to help me and help heal me um, it's been a lifelong journey so I'm just planting a seed I want you to have these numbers and know where they are um, they're on our Facebook page paper hope um, and then one number I want to give you is the United St- it's in the United States. It's the National Human Trafficking Resource Center. The number is 1-888-373-7888. Um, they are uh, a resource for you. Um, additionally, um, the, the Department of Homeland Security, 1-866-347-2423. Um, And on the uh, Facebook page, there are links to these organizations. And I also want to put out there that 911 is always an option. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not trying to trivialize it. To remember. But um, 
you know, and if, if, if reaching out to these organizations is too difficult, um, reach out to a trusted friend. And I know I can speak from my own experience, Carolyn, you might echo the same thing. Finding a one trusted person yes. might be an act of God. Exactly. <laughs> yes. It might be an act of God. So I'm not trying to trivialize that at all. Yes. I'm just trying to plant a seed so that if you're out there listening, um, consider it consider reaching out and talking to someone and sharing your story because I truly believe in what Brene Brown talks about. She's a researcher of shame. And she says, when your story of shame is met with empathy, it's when healing begins. Exactly. And you start building your shame resilience. The more you share your story with someone who will not harm you from sharing the story, the more resilient you will become and the stronger you will be. So don't Share your story with someone who could hurt you more. Share your story with someone who will help you. Um, and this might not be family. I'm just putting that out there as well. Yeah. Family could be the perpetrator. That's right. In my case, it was. Yeah. So um, it might not be your family. So don't. I had a problem seeing my family as being the enemy. I always wanted them to be the, the savior, and they weren't. So folks, just know it could possibly be someone outside of your family your trusted source mm -hmm. so Rio you were talking at break um, you have a friend who is also she's in her victim role currently she's not in a survivor role which is distinctly different than like where Carolyn and I are we mm -hmm. can talk about these things they still hurt I, I want to just point that out it's not like hey we're talking about a recipe or sharing yes. you know what it's we hard. what we have for dinner these things are very painful so again Carolyn I just can't thank you enough thank you for, for the having me. courage to share the story and how important yes. it is um, Rio though you were, you were asking what do we do with folks who still live in their victim role. How can we help them? Well, yeah, because having a best friend, and it's funny, like I was saying, I don't know if it was on air or not, growing up with mom, you start to just kind of recognize certain triggers or behaviors, and you learn when, I don't know, like you learn when to talk and when not to kind of deal. So like if you're having a bad day, we'll just call it, mm -hmm. you know not to to be annoyed or grumpy or whatever because you, you can't. Like you have to be the helper at that point. And so with my friend, I already knew that mm -hmm. something had happened. You know, you kind of... The behavior. I already it's knew pretty similar. Before she told me, right. you know, like, and I was already friends with her. I think that's why her and I became mm -hmm. such close friends so quickly, because I already accepted her mm -hmm. for having those types of behaviors. And no one really would, because no one understands it. Why are you acting like you're stupid one minute, and then the next minute you have a 4.0? But yet, you know, there's just little things where it's like, obviously, something happened to where you're not 100% yourself anymore, oh, but yeah. I'm still going to be okay with it because I still like you. You're, you know, you're a great person and I'm not going to be like, you're not allowed to switch. You're not allowed to have bad days. You know, you're yes. allowed to. So I don't know. And then she finally told me and I was like, I already knew. <laughs> and that's what got her. She started crying immediately. <laughs> and she's like, how did you know? And why are you still my friend? I'm like, what do you mean? It doesn't change our friendship. Mm -hmm. It just means that I have to work a little bit harder to be your friend, you know? And, and that's really a challenge because girls so want to be liked and want mm -hmm. to have a good friend. Only thing I wanted is I wanted a best friend. Mm -hmm. And, you know, unfortunately, me, I trusted my best friend, and it only brought more hurt to me. Uh -huh. So we really have to be careful yes. who we can talk to and be able to share this with. Yes. And I remember one of a friend of mine, um, I had at that point, I had already been molested by these guys. 
And a friend of mine came to me down that lived down lived in my neighborhood, and she told me that her father was molesting her. Mm. And I did not at the time know how to yeah. deal with that. Right. It's like, and then she would say it in a joking way. She's like, mm-hmm. oh, he's so nasty. I can't stand. He's always trying to touch on somebody. He's always trying to fill on somebody. I hate it. You know, right. I hate it. And I couldn't understand how she hated her father. Oh, my god! How could you hate your father? Because I love my mm-hmm. father. My father is a superhero to me, even mm-hmm. though, you know, right. him and my family, we had issues or whatever. But I, mm-hmm. how could someone say they hate their parents? Mm. And that I couldn't understand. But then when... So she wouldn't say that he was raping me or he was right. molesting me. He, she would just say something like, oh, I just can't stand him. I hate him. He's a nasty dog. He's ilky. He's filthy. Right. So I didn't know what to do with of that course. information. Mm-hmm. How could you? And when she was saying it one time, finally she said it and she was crying. Mm-hmm. And then something in me knew that her father was molesting oh, her. Right. But something in me knew Mm-hmm. That you don't talk about it. Right. What goes on in this house, stay in this house. Mm-hmm. I had no right to speak on what's going on in them people's house. Right. Even to go home and say something. Right. It's There huge. were certain boundaries you just didn't cross. You don't talk about that. It's so hard. And so now you have this group of people that's being trafficked and been sexually abused that's all around. And so now you have these girls hanging out with these girls and these girls hanging out with these girls. You know. Right. And now you have this generational stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, now you have this old protected mother and her daughter not understanding why is my mom so strict? She just, I mean, you know? Right. And so right. now, because the mother's not healed. Right. And having dealt with her issue and yep. sit down and say, hey, this is why I'm afraid. Right. And of course, the teenage daughter going to say, well, that's what happened to you. You're making me live your life. And that's not fair to me. Absolutely. But, you know, if there's young girls out there, listen, there is a way out. Yes. Pay attention to your mom when she said that. (laughs) Pay attention. And I know it's hard. You will be an adult in due time Mm -hmm. where you get to do that. But it's only even now it's so hard because there are men out there and other friends and other women that want to harm pray you. and harm young girls and that's vulnerable yep. or that wants to be cool or want to hang yep. out there now it's somebody that wants to groom you into and of course I'm the type of girl and I understand a lot of the listeners is probably the type of girl I'm not going to be that stupid to let nobody no, trick me right? into prostituting yep. or trafficking my body but you know it's funny absolutely accurate statement it's not that you get tricked. I think I think hopefully we've portrayed that in the last yeah. conversation, but you're right. That's what they think. I'm not going to get tricked into this happening I'm not to that me. stupid. That's for right. stupid girl. Right. And you know what? That could be an accurate statement. These girls are not stupid. That's the perpetrators right. are vicious. Exactly. They are manipulative. They know how to... To coerce you. To, they know how to manipulate yes. them. They know how to... Pray. Be, yes, pray. Vulnerable spot. Even that strong, tough girls. Strong, some, tough, yes. smart. It's not that you're not yes. 
tough and smart. Do you think that's part of the victim role then? Absolutely. Is blaming yourself because of course you it were stupid enough yeah. to let it happen? Exactly. And now it brings on shame. So you don't mm-hmm. want people to know right. that yes. you was victim. that. I'm not a victim. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Yep. That's the protection. Because where I come from, you better not be weak. You know, you're not allowed to be a victim. So you put this tough girl mask on and you act tough. And so now this tough girl is feeling fake and phony. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, it's so hard. It is so hard. I'm (laughs) I'm gonna look up some more information for you guys because I think we're running out of time, which is a real shame. Um, one thing that I wanted to talk about uh, while I'm looking this up, Rio, you, in break we were talking about how girls who are in their victim role discount their experience. So when someone maybe, you know, like in your friend's case who is a rape victim, she'll say, well, there are other people who have had it way worse right. than me. They, she uses that as an excuse to not talk about it. She's like, well, obviously people have had worse things happen to them, so mine's not worth you know, doing anything about because nothing bad really happened to me because everyone had it worse. And I want protection. It is the protection. And I want to point out, I have a, another friend who is an incest survivor and she talks about, well, there are other tragedies going on in the world. Folks, if you're listening out there and you yourself are either in your survivor role or you're still in your victim role, I want to point out that discounting your experience by looking at someone who's had it worse is not going to help you. Mm-hmm. I often talk about it being in like a Venn diagram, and I'm holding up my hands in a makeshift one. Um, there were circles overlap each other. So say someone's experience is worse than yours. It sits on one side of the circle. Yes. But you know what? We connect in the middle. So think of it in those terms. So maybe you are talking to someone who's had something that's just so horrific you can't even wrap your mind around. The result resides in the middle, and we're, we're the same at the core. Yes. So don't try and discount yourself because someone's had a worse experience. You have to move into your survivor role and acknowledge that what happened to you was very painful and hard. And remember not to stay a victim. You can't. I mean, like you can't. Not stay a victim. Be open. Be brave enough mm-hmm. to not be. It, it takes a lot. It takes a brave woman or child to mm-hmm. admit that they've been victimized. Absolutely. That's where the power come in. It does. It's being able to speak on it so we don't have to carry this shame and this yes. guilt. And it come out in our marriages and it come out in yes. our behavior. Oh. And now our husbands and our family members Absolutely. and even boyfriends yes. don't understand <laughs> what's going on and why she tripping. You, She just flipped out. Okay, <sighs> That's because she have not dealt with that. And right. if you love your wife, if you love your girlfriend Mm -hmm. you know respect the fact Mm -hmm. that they've had Mm -hmm. some trauma isn't it the truth work with them and not against them with it yeah well i could go on and on about this i think we have ran out of time but i first and foremost carolyn i want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for you being here today and being so transparent and powerful in your testimony um, I hope that we can have you back because I think that there's a million other things that we didn't talk about today. <laughs> I love to come back. I'll <laughs> so be honored to Thank come you. Back. And thank you, Streetlight, for the work that you do in our communities. Oh, Streetlight. <laughs> to bring awareness and all you do to care for the girls in your facility. Girls, if you're listening, um, I'm trying not to get choked up if I say it. I just want to tell you how much I love you and how proud I am of you for seeking treatment and getting the help that you're getting. Um, I am I am deeply honored and, and amazed by your strength. So thank you, girls, for being there and doing the work. Um, you've been listening to Paper Hope Next Generation on the Voice American Empowerment Channel. We'll catch you next time. Hey!
today. Thanks for listening to Paper Hope Next Generation. Be sure to check out the blog at paperhope.com for more during the week. And we hope to see you again next Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Bye for now. 